Hello, welcome into your favorite football podcast. I'm James, and alongside me, as always, is Raceland. And Raceland, we have a lot to get into. As you know, as of the time we're recording, week zero of college football is going on. So that means week one is just right around the corner. And the week last week of the NFL preseason is also occurring at the moment as well. But there's a lot to get into, though, because, like as you know, with football season coming, the regular season's coming for both college and pro, you know, last-minute changes are happening on the rosters. Cut down week will be next week, and we already have some announced starters at some uh, position battles as well to get into. So, Raceland, let's go ahead and start right there. Um, over the last couple of nights, the Baker Mayfield was announced as the week one starter for the Carolina Panthers, and just last night, Friday night, Geno Smith was announced as no Saturday morning. This morning, Geno Smith was also announced as the week one starter for the Seattle Seahawks. So, Raceland, my question to you is this, right? I don't think anybody was surprised about Baker Mayfield being the week one starter over Sam Darnold, right? Because they traded they traded for him for a reason. Um, he looked relatively good in preseason as well. But Geno Smith, Drew Locke was neck and neck until the last preseason game last night, as you said uh, off the air. Three interceptions. So that pretty much sealed the deal for him. So what does it mean yep. for the two former first rounders and Sam Darnold and Drew Locke? I mean... They're, this is both their second team already, and they're not even through their rookie contract. So, I mean, what does that what what happens from here on out with those two? I mean, what do you foresee in their future? Well, uh, Drew Locke. I mean, either way, I with, with the Seahawks, whether they went with Geno Smith or Drew Locke, uh, I didn't figure they'd be good this year because neither quarterback, let's be honest, is really even a number two on a depth chart. Um. I, I would put both, both guys as, as a backup quarterback or a third-string quarterback or a, um, uh, a practice squad guy. Um, so I think Drew Locke throwing those three picks last night sealed the deal, like you said, for, for Pete Carroll to make the decision to go with Geno Smith week one. Uh, and then as it pertains to Sam Darnold, he was uh, carted off the field last night with a significant ankle sprain uh, and they're they're looking to possibly put him on the injured reserve list. So, uh, but I mean, I don't, I don't like you said. I don't think there was any doubt really that Baker Mayfield wouldn't be the starter, um, uh, unless you talk to to Jaguars fan or not Jaguars. Sorry, excuse me, uh, Panthers fans. They say Matt Rule has uh, has no idea what he's doing, and he probably would have put Sam Darnold ahead of Baker. Um, which I don't doubt that one bit, but I, I again, like you said, Baker's looked pretty decent throughout the uh, the preseason so far. Um, I haven't really paid much attention to see what Sam Darnold was doing, but obviously, if Baker got the start, um, he he out. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He outplayed outplayed Sam Darnold. Yeah, and two. I mean, you got to keep in mind Matt Rule's coaching for his job this year, right? If they if they have another bad season, I don't foresee Carolina keeping him around because ever since he took over the Panthers pro, uh, franchise as the head coach, he hasn't done anything. Literally, he has not done anything. I mean, they've been in the top ten consistently. And I think the Baker Mayfield trade, that was – when you trade for a guy, right, like Baker Mayfield, even though it was just for a conditional fifth, which will, will turn into a fourth because he's going to get a lot of playing time. Yes. That's your and that's your way of saying this is my last ditch effort. I mean, what we had last year did not cut it because let's face it, the Panthers 
roster is not going to look that much different from last year. So the only difference is Chris McCaffrey is going to be healthy, but again, he that's not he can't do it all. He he he's not going to be able to propel you to a you know a, um how was the word? He's not going to be the only guy be able to turn it around to where you're competing for a wild card spot or the division title, right? So right, this was a last ditch effort. You got to have better quarterback play. And look, I mean, Baker Mayfield got a lot of flack last year because of the way he looked, but. Look, he's healthy now, and he's got to show what he's able to do, right? This is his last year on his deal because they, they, the fifth-year option was kicked in, so he literally has no contract after this year. And Baker's going to have something to prove as well because if he wants a team to look at him and get a contract or even Carolina to pick up a new contract, he's got to ball out this year. So I'm. Yeah. this is really – I mean, if you look at Carolina, wins and losses is not the storyline in that franchise. It's, you know, as a viewer, as a fan, it's – can Matt Rule keep his job? Can he coach well enough to keep his job and get a few more wins under his belt? And can Baker Mayfield propel himself to another contract for another team? Because the whole storyline around Baker last year was how bad he looked, and everyone the, the excuse was was the injury, right? And look, yep. brutal injury. I mean, and everyone said he probably should have took time off to get the surgery and come back healthy. Um, so that's not there no more. He's healthy now. So. That's one thing I'm really interested in when you look at the Panthers for the 2022 season. Another thing that came up last week, Rachel, too, was Mike Chizeki, the tight end from the Miami Dolphins, is apparently available for trade. Now, you know, the the coach there says, you know, he you know how coaches are. Right? They're going to play it off. No, no, no. It's up to the GM and whatever. But are you surprised that he's up for – I mean, he was the one of the few bright spots last year for the Dolphins franchise. Yeah, that that does kind of surprise me because yeah, he was one of the bright spots, really solely behind uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I mean, he he was looking like he when he came into the league that he could be a top five tight end, and it, it depending on who you talk to, he could very well be that number five tight end uh, in the top five in the league. Um, I mean, for me, I'd have to really look in depth at tight ends to see where I'd put him, but just off the top of my head, I'd probably put him at five, maybe six. Um, I, this one did, it, it was, it was subtle, but it, it caught me off guard a little because again, I mean, he, he was, he's been a great player for Miami. I don't know why they wanted to get rid of him because that that's only hurting them. And unless they feel like he's not producing enough for them. And if they can get something better and their standards out of him, then maybe that's the only thing I can think of, of of why they would trade him. I think it's nonsensical. I mean, come on. I mean, he's he, I mean, I, he's one of those guys where he was one of the few guys that Tua could rely on last season. And in my opinion, if this is Tua's make or break year, which is pretty evident concerning you went and got Tyree Kill in a big trade with Kansas City, you might want to keep more weapons around Tua because teams are going to try to double team Tua. Not Tua, but Tyreek Hill. I don't know. I just think, I mean, more weapons you have on that team for Tua, the better, right? I mean, especially if this is the, the proving year. I just don't think you get rid of a guy unless you're in the middle of the year and, you know, a desperate need of tight end comes up and you get a load for him, you know, in a second or third round pick or or whatnot. But, yeah, I don't know why he would be available for trading. And I'm shocked that there hadn't been any teams that are chomping at the bit for him either. So it, it's kind of one of those things where I'm really excited to see how that story plays out because. I, if I'm I'm a Jaguars fan, I wouldn't mind 
looking into him, try to get him in for a fourth or fifth rounder. Like, why not? No, absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think he'd be a, a great fit there for Jacksonville and, and Trevor Lawrence to be able to have a, another weapon. Uh, the thing for me is you look at Mike Gusecki, and like I said, you know, he could be a top five tight end, depending on who you talk to. It's hard to come by. Tight ends are hard to come by. A, a good tight end is hard to come by in the NFL anymore. I mean, you have your top three or four who you're, you're looking at, Mark Andrews, uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. And then you've got the uh, uh, two or three that are, that are solid, good tight ends. And then you've got guys that really don't have much of a household name. Right. Uh, Mike Gusecki is in that two to three that you know, he's good enough to be there. He's not one of the top four. No. He's not one of the top three, but he's certainly not one of the guys who isn't a household name. He's sufficient. I mean, go on. he is. He, he's, he's a secure ball catcher. I mean, being a tight end, he's, he's not all that fast, but that's fine. He's still got decent speed. Um, he's a pretty solid blocker, too, from what I watched in Miami games last year. I, again, it, it's mind-boggling. It's baffling me why Miami's wanting to get rid of him. Time will tell. I mean, maybe there's something. Maybe I mean, guess we don't really pay attention to the Dolphins. Right? We don't know how he's looked in camp. We don't know all the behind the scenes stuff. But it, I mean, it is kind of surprising that a first year head coach is. Uh, I mean, he. Well, is this his first year or his second year? It might. It might be the first. Uh, no, this is his first year because it's um. What's his name? Came from uh, New England. Yeah, that's right. No, not New. It's not McDaniel's. McDaniels is in Raiders. I think he came from uh, San Francisco. Mike McDaniels. Yes, that's yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, San Francisco. That's right. Um, yeah, he's with it. Yeah, it's Mike McDaniel from San Mike Francisco. Dan- this yep. is his first year. There. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um. Um. I'm trying to think that maybe it's a contract year for him. He came in the league second round in 2018. So that's six years. So it wouldn't be a contract year. So, yeah, because he's playing under the franchise tag right now, He's which he signed in March. He's going to make 10.9. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where that makes more sense now because if he's under – the franchise and they don't want to, they can't get come up with an agreement long term. Let's see if we can get any compensation for moving forward. Okay, so so yeah, it, it is a it is a, a contract year essentially. Yeah, but let's move okay. on to the fight heard around the world, Rayson. As we know, the video made its rounds with the fight between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, and really, yeah. no one really be, would be talking about it if it wasn't for a uh, said Aaron Donald taking helmets and literally swinging them. Um, looking like Miles Garrett there on a Monday night football game. But Rayson, really it's here's my thing with this, right? Yeah. It, fights happen at every joint practice, right? Everyone's making a big deal of what did you expect from the two teams that played in the Super Bowl? It happens every every year. There's multiple fights and multiple joint practices because yeah. the tempers flare and the heat of competition and things happen. But when you literally take a helmet off a player and you start swinging it, that's when the line is crossed. And now the NFL apparently can't is not going to step in. They can't step in because it's a practice. The teams have to 
the the teams have to settle it on their own. The Rams have to be the one that provides a punishment for their player. Yes. Which makes sense, right? Because it's not a game day. It's, you know, you're on your own. It's between two teams. They kind of want to keep let them do their thing. Understandable. But if they do nothing, and why would the Rams do something, right? It's Aaron Donald. If they would have suspended him, they would have came out already. I mean, but that's a bad look, in my opinion. Because when you, like, it's different when you're fist fighting on the field in the heat of the moment. Pushing, shoving, couple fists are thrown. But when you're taking a helmet, which could literally, if made connect right, could kill somebody. Now, I'm not yeah. saying Aaron Donald is trying to kill somebody. But when when you take a helmet, that could make significant injury to a player. Now, playing the other side is we don't know what happened that led to that, that brawl. We only saw the 30-second clip of the brawl. So I'm trying to play both sides here because I don't want to, you know, accuse or try to think someone's guilty without knowing the whole realm of it, right? It's so easy to do. Like, we saw what happened in that Monday night game because it was on national TV. But don't you think that if the Rams and the Bengals don't, you know, dig deeper into what caused this, maybe the NFL should step in. Now, I grant it. I don't think anybody trusts the NFL in their judgments. Don't, don't get. I don't either. I don't. They're so inconsistent in what they do, and they are. They they're still dealing. They're still dealing with the backlash of the Sean Watson situation. But when Miles Garrett was suspended for six games, and really it was an indefinite suspension, but it's turned into six games. Yes. I mean, it's going to be kind of hard for a fan to say, "Well, how is Aaron Donald getting away scot free?" So. I'm conflicted. That's my standpoint. I'm conflicted on the whole situation. But what's your standpoint on it? So I view this the same way everyone else does. You suspended Miles Garrett, fined him heavily um, for what he did with one helmet and one swing to Mason Rudolph. Yeah. You take Aaron Donald, who had two helmets and swung them four times. There's an issue with that. I agree. So I... So I've I've got a I've got an article pulled up. This is from uh, Pro Football Talk, uh, NBCSports.com. Um, so they're saying that the NFL, it, it, it it's it's kind of a, a weird scenario, talking about how the NFL can't get involved, but they actually can. So what's what's going on? So right now is it sounds like the Rams. Right now it's in the Rams' hands to suspend Aaron Donald, find him, whatever. Um, so uh, who, we'll have to wait and see what, what they decide to come up with. Um, one thing the NFL really can do is they can, they can, um, they can punish the Rams. Like if, if, they go to, if they go to Sean McVay and, and the, the Rams GM and they say, hey, you know, we believe that Aaron Donald should be suspended for this many games and find this much money. Um, if you don't do that, there will be ramifications for you guys. Now, I don't know what those could end up being, but um, looking at this article, it says the league can punish the Rams for not controlling their guys. And they asked, could the league tell the Rams that a significant punishment will be imposed on the team if Donald isn't suspended? If so, the question then becomes proposing enough 
of a penalty against the team uh, to get Rams the Rams to suspend Aaron Donald. If the Rams don't suspend them, the NFL should just do it. Even if the league doesn't control player conduct during trainings, the personal conduct policy applies everywhere without restriction as to time or place. It specifically prohibits this uh, violent or threatening behavior toward another employee or a third party in any workplace setting. So based under the the personal conduct policy, the NFL could suspend Aaron Donald, but then they'd have to turn around and they would have to face the NFL PA. So I think the NFL PA, they need to come out and make a statement about this to get ahead of it. Uh, I think it would help them if, if they believe that Aaron Donald should be suspended as well, uh, then maybe the Rams will would suspend Aaron Donald. Who knows how long they would suspend him for, how much they would fine him for. Uh, but I again, Miles Garrett got six games and a hefty fine. Aaron Donald, in my opinion, should be eight games and double the money that Miles Garrett had to pay. See, I, I disagree with that part. I think if they – I do think a suspension is needed. Like, I I just can't get on board with getting away scot-free. I mean, you took a guy's helmet off and started swinging it. Like, those – like, don't get me wrong. If there was had, a fist had... fight, if there was a fist fight, I don't care. Like, what? it happens. It happens in the heat of the moment. It's, it yeah. happens everywhere this time of year. But the moment you take a, a, a helmet which can be used as a weapon in that manner, that's when I have a problem with it. I and I, if you remember, Rachel, I was the same way with Miles Garrett. I had a problem with yes. it because you yes. shouldn't take a helmet and swing it. And I, I was the same I, way. It, it, I mean, it, it, that, at that point, if you're if you t- if you rip somebody's helmet off, you know, fine, whatever. But when you rip it off and you start swinging it, that becomes assault. Yes. and that could be assault with a deadly weapon, because, like you said, if you swing it hard enough and you hit correctly on the head, wherever you could kill somebody. And yeah, or at the very least, severely injured. Yeah, I, I mean, mean it's, you, I mean it's, again. Go, so the reason I say eight games and doubled what Miles Garrett got uh, fine wise is because, like I said earlier, Miles Garrett had one helmet, swung it once. Aaron Donald had two helmets, swung them four times. Yeah. Aaron Donald, in my opinion, and I, I've I've been seeing this all over Twitter, so it's not just my opinion. Uh, Aaron Donald has an anger management issue. Which, I mean, if he's if he's on your team, great. That's that's a, a type of player you want. But like it it's almost to the point where it's getting out of hand because if if there's a penalty on him, he he takes his helmet off, throws an ungodly fit, and he gets super pissed. Looking at some pictures that people are posting on Twitter, Aaron Donald seems like he might be a bit of a dirty player, too, because there are plenty of pictures that I, I saw on Twitter that he's when he's going in on the, the, the pass rush, he's he's taking his hands immediately, not to the shoulder pads, but towards the, the offensive lineman's throats. Well, the thing with that, though, is it's kind of hard to – I'm not going to say he's a dirty player on the pure fact of I'm not going to lie my opinion on something I see on Twitter. I'm only giving my opinion based on what I saw in that brawl. and. I think it should get. I should. I think he should be fined and suspended for the exact amount that Miles Garrett was. Because 
Granted, the swing, he had two helmets, the amount of swings, whatever. But it you have to be consistent. That's one of the the flash the not flashbacks, but one of the 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 criticisms of the NFL and their suspensions and their you know their punishments handed down is what consistency. If you have a similar situation, the only difference is is it's not on a Monday night scale. It's not on ESPN. You have to treat it like it would be. Because guess okay, what? So, it might have not so, been on national TV for everyone to see live in the moment, but I guarantee you the amount of people that have watched it, that video is probably equivalent to such. Right. I, I agree. I agree. But here, here's my thing to counteract that. Now, I don't want to sound insensitive. That It's not my point, but it, it helps drive my point here. Look at the difference between what happened with Big Ben and his sexual assault cases versus Deshaun Watson. Big Ben had two. Deshaun Watson has 24. Deshaun Watson has at least 11 games. Big Ben got, what, two to four, if I remember correctly? Yeah. There, there's a huge difference there between both cases, or uh, both, both guys, and Big Ben and Deshaun Watson. You, I don't think you can treat this Aaron Donald situation the same as you do the Miles Garrett because, A, he had two helmets, and he swung them three more times than what Miles Garrett did. I agree. There needs to be consistency, but to a certain extent of severity. Like, if, if he had one helmet and he swung it two times, you know what, I'd, I'd be fine with the, the six games and whatever Miles Garrett got fined. You know what, I'm, I have no problem with that. But the fact that he had two of them and he swung them four times, that tells me there was obviously malicious intent, maybe, maybe not a complete malicious intent, but he wanted to hurt somebody. But he had the again, intent in mind. But the problem is, too, is we're judging this based off a clip. Like, that's why I want the – they needed before anything's handed out, the NFL needs to step in. At the very least, the NFL PA needs to step in because guess what? Yeah, you're supposed to represent the player, but what about the player that he swung at? Yes, I mean, oh, just exactly. because it's Aaron Donald, I mean, we need to treat him any different. Yes, he's a star. He's a superstar. But he's the defensive face of the NFL. But the problem is, if you're the NFLPA, you're representing the whole players' association. You're representing the whole every every player. Well, guess what? It doesn't they're, matter they're if it's receiving the star. in on that hit, so they need to step in for them as well. Right. It doesn't matter if 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 it's the defensive star swinging helmets at at a guy who could be cut this week. Versus a guy who could be cut this week swinging in a helmet at the defensive star. I guarantee you, if if the roles were reversed and a Bengals player swung hel- swung two helmets at Aaron Donald, they would have been suspended. The NFL would have stepped in and be like, okay, this guy's gone. But because it's Aaron Donald, because he's the poster child for the defense in the NFL, I don't know if the NFL is going to do anything, which is complete and utter bullshit. Uh, pardon the language, but uh, that's how frustrated I am with the situation. Yeah, I am too. And could you imagine what would happen if that was Joe Burrow he went at? Oh, Aaron Donald might have died. The, the Bengals' offense probably would have killed him. I don't know about that. I mean, but... Well, yeah. I'm, well, shit, look, well, look at what happened with, with uh, Miles Garrett. Again, the same situation. Mike uh, uh, Pouncey, Marquise Pouncey, I believe that was Pouncey that did it, um, took Miles Garrett to the ground and started punching him in the back of the head. Now, not smart on his part because Miles Garrett still had his helmet on. But he, he, he sat on top of him and, and started and hitting him. And, and uh, another Steelers player started coming over, and he was kicking Miles Garrett. 
I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Something needs to happen to Aaron Donald. If not, I think we're going to see a big uproar of NFL fans who get pissed about it. No, I agree. But one thing, I think one thing we need to do as a fan base too is, and I keep saying this, we need to set back a little bit and see what happens because, again, we're basing this off a 30-second clip. I'm not disagreeing that it's a bad look and there needs to be some action, but I personally want to see what led to that moment. Why did he do it? Because, again, no, we and, heard the and, why. Because we heard the why from Miles Garrett. We don't know the why yet from this. And we might never know until they do something to look into it. But we're going to have to move on from this because well, we still got quite a bit to get into. But I'll let you finish well, your no, statement. I, but yeah. I, 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 I do want to point out one thing real quick. We heard the why from Miles Garrett, but it was never really proven. Um, his, his side was never proven. Uh, I mean, uh, he, he allegedly – he swung the helmet because – um, Mason Rudolph allegedly called him a racist slur. That's when Miles Garrett got mad. We don't know that to be true. Now, if someone said something to Aaron Donald, that's not going to come out. We, we're not going to know why. No, and I agree. But, I mean, there's more people around at that instance because it's a practice and the coaches are on the field and whatnot, so more people should know what's going on. But basically, let's switch gears from the NFL side of things, which we're only two weeks away from the kickoff. Um, and two a uh, week from Thursday night is the first game. And so, yeah, less than a week. We're about a week and a half at this point. Yeah, so we're right around the corner. So I know we're excited for that. But let's go to the college specs of things because, as mm -hmm. you know, the, like I said earlier, the time we're recording, week zero is currently underway. But let's be honest, yes. there's really no interesting games happening today because next week, Labor <laughs> well, Day not, weekend. Not for you. <laughs> what? Not for you. For who? There's nobody. For um, for Big Ten fans, there is. I now you can sit here and say, "Well, well, Nebraska, Nebraska Northwestern, Northwestern. both teams." Nope. I, I I agree. Nebraska Northwestern, they're not going to be anything big. Now, here's an upset: Northwestern beat Nebraska, uh, thirty-one twenty-eight. That's not an upset. Which is, yeah, I know. Tell me about. It. I picked Nebraska to win that game. I got that one wrong. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so going back to it, yeah, but I understand, you know, both, both these teams not going to be much in the, in the, in the big 10 this year, but there's still big 10 opponents playing each other. I mean, you always, it, it, I, I don't know about you, but let's say, uh, Florida state was playing Georgia tech today. You, you'd want to have a, a, an eye, maybe, maybe an ear on that game. Just kind of see how they were playing. Well, Florida Just State's playing today against time. Duquesne, and I could care less. Right, well, because it's Duquesne. But I, I meant like – so that's why I said Florida State and Georgia Tech. Two ACC teams playing each other. Because you want to have your ear to the ground. You want to have an eye on the game to be able to see how they're playing. So when it comes time for Miami to play them, you kind of have an idea of like, okay, here's what we're going to have. Here's what we could expect. Yeah, I mean, Here's what these two teams are doing. I mean, I see what you're saying, but I just can't. I don't know, man. It, it just has no implication on. I don't know. I like. I guess for Big Ten fans, I could see a little bit, but for everybody else, no one really cares about that game. Right. Now, the, and again, that, that's that's fine. I mean, nobody outside of the Big Ten really should care about that game. But Raceland, moving on to Labor Day weekend, when the true week one is. 
Um, what are three games that are a must-watch for you in week one? Uh, in week one? So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to start it off on a Thursday night. Uh, obviously, it's got to be the backyard brawl between West Virginia and Pitt. Um, now, West Virginia hasn't officially named their starter yet at quarterback, but Pitt named uh, Keaton Slovis as their starter. Now, if West Virginia names JT Daniels, you're looking at the battle of former USC quarterbacks. You're looking, even, even if they don't name JT Daniels as a starter, you, you're, you're seeing a rivalry that had so much hate between the two teams being renewed Thursday night. I, I, I don't know about you. I'm excited to see that game. Uh, that's the game I'm going to be watching Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night, I don't really do a whole lot, but I'm definitely going to be tuned into that one. Um, I'm trying to see if there are any Friday night games. Not really. Um, not really one I'd keep an eye on. And then looking on to Saturday. Oh man, there are, man, man you put me on a spot here. Three games because there are there are some games there and uh, that I'd I'd love to talk about. But man, if you're going to limit me to three here. Well, we'll um, talk about them next week. We're just giving a little taste here. Okay. Okay. All right. Just a little taste. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with Oregon and Georgia. It's a big. It's a top ten or sorry, top fifteen matchup. Number eleven Oregon versus number three Georgia, and the Chick Flake. Excuse me, and the Chick Flake kickoff. Um, Georgia right now is seventeen and a half point favorite, but I'm excited. Uh, not really excited. Interested to see what what Oregon does now without uh, Thibodeau there with a new head coach, a new regime. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see if they can stay toward the top of the Pac-12. I mean, obviously, Georgia's probably going to still stay at the top of, towards the top of the SEC with with, uh, Alabama and then possibly Texas A&M this year. Uh, That's a game that I'm definitely going to probably watch it's a 3.30 kickoff game on ABC. Um, and then the, the obvious number one, and I, I imagine it's probably your number one as well here, uh, is Ohio State and Notre Dame. I mean, a top five matchup. Number five versus number two, ABC, 7.30 prime time. Game day's there. Ohio State's a 17-point favorite, which has gone up since last time I looked. Uh, I mean, we'll get to see... A former Ohio Ohio State alumni coming back uh, and, and coaching against his former team uh, with with Notre Dame, uh, and then Ohio State. We'll get to see. I know what you, one of your biggest questions for Ohio State this year is is outside of Smith and Jigba, what does the rest of the receiver core look like? I think it'll be fine. Uh, definitely interested in, in seeing how Ohio State defensive-wise does. That's my biggest concern. Uh, Jim Knowles coming in, the whole new defensive scheme. I, I think, honestly, if I had to put a number to it, I think Notre Dame could possibly lead at halftime, uh, but not by much. Um, and then I think, obviously, Ohio State comes up, makes great second-half adjustments, and, and, and just blows it up. Uh, obviously, I'd love to see Ohio State just command the game the entire 60 minutes, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so let's start it right there, right? My number one's obviously Notre Dame at Ohio State, um, just because of the top five matchup. Uh, is the, 
first game for uh, Coach Freeman as the head coach there after Brian Kelly left for the LSU job. Um, and I think this is the first time Ohio State's starting with a ranked opponent since 2003, if my research is correct, when they beat Washington um, in the opener. But I, I just – this is one of those things where, yes, game day is there, whatever. Like, that, that's the game of the week for them. But this could easily be over by halftime. And that's my fear about this game is we're hyping this game up, a top five matchup. But let's be completely honest with ourselves. Notre Dame has no reason being a preseason number five. They have no reason probably being in the top ten. Um, this is where you look at the color of gold and you look at the tradition. That's probably why they're at five because that team last year, what did they show you that they deserve to be a top five team? Especially now they're losing their head coach. I don't see many reasons. So, Again, it sounds like I'm being too critical. That's because I am very skeptical of why they're number five. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But I think this game, I think the 17 points uh, favorite for Ohio State, it could probably be more of a 20 to 24 um, win, point win there for Ohio State. So I just think they're going to want to assert their dominance really early in that game. Um, my number two game that I'm looking out for is number 11, Oregon at number three, Georgia. Again, I don't think this is going to be a close game at all. However, I do want to see what the defense looks like for Georgia after losing a lot of that talent. Um, and I also want to see what Stetson Bennett does in the opener. Um, it's going to be an emotional day there at, in the, to Georgia because, well, it's in Atlanta, so it doesn't really matter. But it's pretty much like a home field game for them, especially since Oregon's coming from the West Coast. And then number three, it's not going to be on a lot of people's radars, but the reason it's on mine is because I want to see what Cincinnati looks like. They're taking on Arkansas. I believe they're at Arkansas. And really, this is go we're gonna have to see what Cincinnati looks like because we you know we're all crowning, we're all thinking this is a team that probably should be good. Um, but again, they kind of have that UCF feel. You know, once UCF lost a lot of that talent, they went back to being good to a you know, an eight to a nine win team, not a playoff contender. So I'm really curious to see how Luke Fickle gets that what kind of team he will have after losing Desmond Ritter, Jerome Ford, Sauce Gardner, among others. So that's why that game's one number three, just because I want to see if Cincinnati can rebound um, and continue what they have built program-wise, or was it just a really great class that left, and that's why they were so good. But again, I'm anyway, for week so, one. So again, we didn't get too far in-depth with it, racing because of the fact that we're going to be talking about it next week, and we'll also yeah. be giving our predictions for next week's ball games as well. Um, a little bit different. So before we're going to do a little bit different this year. So Raceland, um, before we sign off for the episode, do you want to kind of give the uh, listeners of how the predictions will kind of look this year? Uh, so, yeah. So this year, um, I mean, predictions are going to kind of stay the same as what they have in the past. Um, we're going to, we're going to pick, 10 college games, and you and I are going to talk about them, uh, pick a winner, and then same thing with NFL. Right. But I think this year we're going to incorporate the spread. Oh, yes, that's right. We, we did talk about it. So we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about the spread then, too. Um, I mean, kind of go from there, like betting odds-wise. You know, what do, do, do we think – it's going to be an over and under. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of floundering here because I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck's so, going yeah. on. So pretty much what it is is so in the past, right? So last year we did the 10 and 10, 10 NFL, 10 college. 
Um, but we just did straight up, right? We, but as we reviewed on the predictions and as we discussed among the two of us, we feel like it would be better if we incorporated the spread. So, for example, the Ohio State game, the 17-point spread, we would pick accordingly. So, Ohio State would go in that game as a 17 uh, going in the game 17 to nothing because that's what the spread is. Yes. Yes. So, this is going to, I think this is going to make it more unique because we have to incorporate that. We have to really put thought into it. Unlike last, like, on paper, yeah, Ohio State's probably going to beat Notre Dame. We'd pick that easy. Let's move on. But with that 17 points, it at least gives you a little bit of pause of, man, that's a that's a lot of points. Maybe I want to go with Notre Dame. Now, betting is not legal in Ohio yet until January, so we can't persuade betting odds or whatever. But this yep. does give us a tool to make it more unique when it comes to rather than it makes us think more on it. And it, it might and it might it might create a little bit of um, differences. Because if you look at last year, it was just a, we picked a lot of the same teams, especially late in the year. So we're kind of trying to find a way to have that not happen. Um, so that's I think this way I think this way will be better. It's going to take some getting used to for the both of us, but I think this is going to be the best way to go about it going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, so obviously, as, as the listeners know, I I am part of another another podcast. Um, not your average sports fans podcast. Um, and we, we are going to be kind of doing the same thing. Uh, we are going to be looking into um, betting odds, not just in football, but uh, kind of an overall. So I might be a little bit more custom because, I, I mean, even, even before all this, I, I look at spreads all the time and, and kind of think about that. And, you know, do I think Ohio State can cover the 17-point spread? Um, are they going to are they are they going to be under it or are they just going to outright lose? It, it's something I've always thought about. Yeah, agreed. So that's the way the prediction is going to look. Again, we're going to start that next week. We're going to pick ten college games on the schedule, and then obviously the following when the NFL gets into the fold, we'll be picking ten more games on top of that. But until then, Rachel, that will do it for this episode. And I can't wait to actually get into the thick of things in the regular season because uh, I'm like tired. I'm just tired of. Uh, preseason i'm tired of these um again week zeros today but again nothing really that fired me up to the point where i'm at my tv screen as soon as kickoff happens but that will all change starting this thursday night between pittsburgh and west virginia but until then i am james and that was Rayson, and thank you for listening to your favorite football podcast